the Sabbath days. And they were amazed at his teaching, for his word was with authority and ability and weight and power. Now in the synagogue there was a man who was possessed by the foul spirit of a demon, and he cried out with a loud, deep, terrible cry, Ah, let us alone. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown the man down in their midst, he came out of him without injuring him in any possible way. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What kind of talk is this? For with authority and power he commands the foul spirits, and they come out. And a rumor about him spread into every place in the surrounding country. Then he arose and left the synagogue and went into Simon Peter's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering in the grip of a burning fever, and they pleaded with him for her. And standing over her, he rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she got up and began waiting on them. Now, at the setting of the sun, indicating the end of the Sabbath, all those who had any sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands upon every one of them and cured them. And demons even came out of many people, screaming and crying out, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not permit them to speak, because they knew that he was the Christ, the Messiah. And when daybreak came, he left Peter's house and went into an isolated desert place. And the people looked for him until they came up to him and tried to prevent him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news, the gospel of the kingdom of God, to the other cities and towns also, for I was sent for this purpose. And he continued to preach in the synagogues of Galilee. Let's pray. Just want to make sure I got all the verses. All right. Father, thank you so much. We love you. We love you. We love your word. We're so grateful for your grace and your love for us. Father, we just invite the Holy, your Holy Spirit to be with us this morning. I pray, Father, that your spirit will permeate us, that will soften our hearts. Please help us to be receptive to what you want to say this morning. I pray for a blessing on Jackie as he ministers your truth. Thank you, Father, for this morning. Thank you for this fellowship. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now you've all been warned. You better be careful coming in late. You never know what could happen if I see you. It's exciting for me as we come here to this particular section of Scripture because we kind of touched on it a little bit last time uh, when we talked about the idea of the Word of God espousing on the Word of God. And really, that's something that we should spend a little bit of time chewing on because you have God the Word and He's teaching and everywhere he teaches, you get the same response. Men are blown away by, by what it is that he says. And they're blown away, maybe not b- because of the, the, the things that he says as much as the way that he says it. <clears throat> because when he's in the synagogue teaching them, for that moment in time, for those people, it is like God is in church teaching you. And they notice something about it. So as we look at this section of scripture, we're going to see the authority that Jesus had. His authority in the word and his authority over demons and his care over individuals in the midst of all of that. Because sometimes we, we, we get this idea of God. I don't know where it comes from, probably because of some of our uh, dealings in the, in the regular world. But we get this idea that God is so transcendent and so big that he doesn't care about are little things, like if you have a fever, or you're sick at home. 
But the scripture would tell us differently. The scripture would say the same God in the universe that would come into a synagogue and and speak with power and authority through the word of God will reach over and touch a man that most people don't want to have nothing to do with. They're just hoping he'll go away. Or will reach out and, and touch a woman who's ill at home. Or won't be frustrated at the end of the day because... They would have to wait for the end of the day for the people to to gather the sick. Maybe he was ready for bed. But no, they brought in the sick and the demon possessed. And all the people, nobody had an answer for. And they brought him to Jesus. And I love this, this part of his ministry because it says all the ones that they brought to him, he healed. He had a touch for them all. So as we look at it today, I just hope that we can, we can get excited about the authority of God that we see coming through him. It says in verse 31 that he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee. So we're, we're, we're dealing with the ministry of Jesus around the Galilee. Nazareth is around the Galilee. We saw Nazareth last time. Capernaum, some of the other cities, all around the Sea of Galilee. <laughs> it says he was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching. For his word possessed authority. And I, I just, I love the way that the ESV said it there. His word possessed authority. You know, a lot of people can tell you a lot of things, right? Have you guys ever had somebody tell you something and you sit back and you go, I don't know if it's real or not real, true or not true. It's not always easy to tell, you know. I, when I was coaching, it, it was something that I would experience a number of times when kids would come to me and tell me how great they were in football. They're an incredible f- football player. And it usually takes 30 seconds for me to figure out whether or not that was true. Right? It don't take very long because you, you, you're going to go do something. It's way better. That's why Jesus says, way better to take the lowest seat at the table than the high seat. Just take the low seat and let them move you up. But... Uh, We see that in life. And I just want you to recognize that when Jesus is teaching, when Jesus is sharing, there is power in his word that's different than yours or mine. In fact, Hebrews chapter 2, if we look there, Hebrews chapter 2, 1 through 4, gives us this, this kind of lays out the idea for the concept. It says, therefore, we must pay closer, closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. So we want to pay attention to the word of God that we have heard. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, primarily dealing with the Old Testament, and every transgression or disobedience received just retribution, so God's judgments have held fast, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord. So Jesus at first declaring this gospel coming from him, and it was attested to us by those who heard him. In other words, eyewitness accounts that have given it to us. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. There was something about, there's something about God when God speaks, things happen, right? When we read Genesis 1 and it says that God said, let there be light. What happened? There was light. Okay, we we can get the point, right, of Genesis 1. God said, let there be, and there was. 
And there was something in the word that Jesus spoke that was like that. That the people recognized and they saw and they were blown away by. And I just want to bring out some of those ideas. Here's what the word of God had to say about, about Yahweh, uh, God Almighty, in Psalm 89.9. In Psalm 89.9, it said of God, You rule the raging sea. When its waves rise, you still them. Now I want you to think, so for, for the, the, the Jew going through the psalm, what do they understand about God? If God says to the waves, peace be still, what happens? What did happen when Jesus did it? You see, there was authority in what he said. I can go out to the wind in Idaho and say, peace be still! And, you know, maybe, maybe if I happen to be in accordance with God's will, maybe God would grant a miracle take place. But for the most part, my word doesn't have that authority. But Jesus did. And in Psalm 107, verse 28, listen to this. It says, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Now, in the Jewish mind, keep in mind that the sea is a symbol of chaos. It's all the forces of nature that are uncontrollable, untamable, and God is declaring in His Word that He can tame it. So, He says it in His Word, and then Jesus comes and shows us the reality when He says to the storm, Peace be still. He taught as one with authority. There was something in the words that he spoke that led people to recognize these things. In Exodus chapter 4, you guys all remember when Moses is trying to decide whether or not he's like down with God's plan for his life? Like, I don't know if I really want to be your guy, God. In Exodus 4.11, the Lord said to Moses, Who has made man's mouth? You guys all seen the movie, what's it called, babe? Prince of Egypt. Egypt. Nobody's seen that? Man, that's like my favorite part. Who has made... I just love the... I don't have it. Barry, I should get Barry to come up here and do it. I should have Barry do it. But who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now what is God saying to Moses? God is saying, look, if I told you you can speak, you can speak. If I want you to be blind, you're blind. And if I want you to see, what? You're going to see. There's the words. Jesus came and spoke them with authority. John chapter 9, he took a man born blind, and he did what? He gave him sight. You know that the Bible says only Yahweh can do that. Only Yahweh. In fact, in Psalm 146.8, it says, Yahweh opens the eyes of the blind. Yahweh opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. So when the Bible says Jesus spoke with authority, there's things that happen. And I just want you to think about all those stories we're going to go through. We've got a long ways to go. We're only in chapter 4 of Luke. So we'll be in Luke for like next three years. And as we're working our way through Luke, you're going to see a man with a withered hand, right? You're going to see people sick. You're going to see things... Guys with leprosy, and Jesus is going to speak or touch or look or with authority, and something's going to happen. 
And according to Hebrews, that section of scripture that we read before, that was God saying through the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of His Son, listen to Him. Because the words He says is different than everybody else's. You and I, we don't have that authority. I don't care how big a billboard you can put up, how much money you got, how many TV cameras you can set up, none of that makes any difference because you don't have the same authority that He had. When Jesus spoke, when He said, it happened. It occurred. It was so real. In fact, the sick were healed. In Exodus chapter 15, in Exodus 15 verse 22, it says, Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. That's what Marah means, bitterness. Therefore it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it in the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule. There he tested them, and he said, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I have put on the Egyptians, for I am Yahweh Rophe, the Lord your healer. Yeah, God's the healer. There's nobody else. He says, I am the Lord your healer. So when Jesus comes and he speaks and he teaches and he does the things that he does, I just want you to get this idea that there is this loud voice from heaven every time saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased because he could do things nobody else could do. Nobody else. He could take a man with a withered hand and speak a word and his hand was normal. Not six months later when he applied the right kind of medication or he broke it and reset it and did a surgery. No, it got better. Why? Because he has authority. At the end of the book of Matthew, the end of the gospel of Matthew, Jesus says this. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. How much is that? Okay, so we're okay with that? All authority. He has it all. And then he gave us a commission. So since, he's saying, since I have all authority in heaven and on earth, go, therefore. Go. Make disciples. Baptize people. Baptizing people how? Baptizing them into the body of Christ. Watching and seeing people get saved. Watching and seeing people grow. Teach them the things that I have commanded you. Teaching them the things that Jesus said and the things that Jesus shared. And then he gave them this little word of promise. And lo, I am with you how long? Always, even until the end of the age. I will never leave you or forsake you. No matter what we go through, no matter where we stand, he's there. Everything we look at on the pages of the Word of God speak to us the same authority that Jesus had when He taught around the Galilee. And everybody noticed it. 
Everybody noticed it. Everybody was, was hearing it and seeing it and recognizing it. But that's not all. There's another section. I just kind of want you to get to see it all together with a bird's eye view. In, in the Gospel of Mark, in Mark chapter 2, there's a, a similar story, right? We're talking about authority. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, the faith of the four friends and the paralytic. You guys with me on the story? Their friends paralyzed. They tear open the roof on somebody's house. I don't know. In that culture, that's okay. I don't think it's that okay in ours, right? Somebody gave you a custom sunroof because they wanted to get to the guy who was visiting your house? I don't know. That just seems... I bet it was just as wild then. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. That is amazing. This whole story is amazing. Because Jesus is going to tell you why you can know he has authority to forgive sins. Now we know, the Bible teaches, the Old Testament told us, there's only one person who can forgive sin. Who's that? God. God's the only one who can forgive. He's it. That's it. So Jesus is looking at this guy who cannot walk who's been dropped through the ceiling and he's laying on the floor in front of him and it's a little chaotic in the house. People are probably yelling back and forth, right? Because they're not just sitting there going, oh, that's cool. It's all right. I was winning the sunlight there anyway. No, man, I'm sure there's a little bit of chaos going on. So Jesus says, son, here's the important thing. Your sins are forgiven. Now it says, now some of the scribes were there. And they began to question in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He's blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? So just in case we missed it, they are making the point for us. <clears throat> and immediately, Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, he said, Why do you question these things in your heart? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you. Or rise up and walk. You guys get the dip. What he's saying is, look, this is just words. How do you know that I have authority to say your sins are forgiven you? Well, let me make it clear. When I say rise up and walk, and he does. You know. That you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins. He looked at the paralytic and he said, take up your bed and walk. And scripture says he did what? He took up his bed and walked. And I want you to know, I think when Jesus did these things, it was immediate. It was supernatural. Today we struggle with miracles, looking for miracles. You know, it's a a little bit different. I'm not saying God doesn't do miracles. God can do anything he wants. And so he has the freedom to do that. But when Jesus was here and he spoke, things happen. If he looked at you and he said, be well, you didn't just feel a little better. You were well. If he looked at you and said, see, you saw. If he looked at you as a leper and he said, be cleansed, you were cleansed. Because Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth which we discussed a little while ago, is how much? All authority. So when he spoke, there was something about the Word of God speaking the Word of God. There was something that the 
people could see, could hear, were gra- would gravitate to. They would take and understand. Well, in Psalm 103, listen to what the Word of God tells us. It says, The Lord God is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does He remove our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion to his children. So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. It's my favorite part. For he knows our frame. He remembers we are thus. Dirt clots. He said, I know, I know, I know the, the failures and the frailties that you have. And God provided. God is a God of mercy and grace. Compassion. But he says he will not hold his anger forever. He will not set it aside. He will judge evil. He will judge sin. And so we see this laid out. Now what did Jesus say last week as he stood, spoke with authority in the synagogue of Nazareth, and he said to them, now is the day of salvation. Today is the time. He stopped reading Isaiah 61 right before it says, and the day of the wrath of our God. Because Jesus said in John chapter 3, I didn't come to the world to condemn the world, but that through me, what? The world might be saved. Yeah, Judgment Day is another thing altogether. Jesus came speaking with authority, showing the heart of God. And sometimes we struggle to see it. Sometimes we struggle to see the heart of God. And here's what I want you to get. We'll go through the Old Testament, we'll read the Old Testament, and we'll struggle sometimes with the God of the Old Testament and and, and relating the God of the Old Testament with Christ. And here's what I want you to see. We don't see clearly, as we look at the God of the Old Testament, it is Jesus Christ, the only begotten, the monogamous, the one and only Son of God, in the bosom of the Father that reveals God to us. You want to know the heart of God, the Bible says, where do you look? At Jesus. You look at Jesus. There's the heart of God. Will he judge? Sure. But he came to save. He came to make a way. And he spoke with authority, and the people saw that authority and responded. They were astonished at his teaching, blown away for his word possessed authority. So when you see that, you're going to see it all the way through the book of Luke. We're going to see it over and over and over and over. Jesus is going to teach a lot. <clears throat> when you see it, I just want you to connect that. Connect the dots that when Jesus spoke, things happened. It was, not, it was like God saying, let there be light. When Jesus spoke, things happened. Now we see his authority over demons. Look at verse 33. It says, And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice. Okay, so here we go. We got a demon-possessed guy in church. Don't be so shocked, right? The devil been going to church for a long time. Yeah, he's probably probably pretty far up in the government, most churches. 
The devil been going to church a long time. If you can't beat him, do what? It's a whole lot easier to manipulate from inside than it is from the outside. He learned something about the church. When you persecute the church, what happens? Church grows. Look at China. Look at Japan. Look at Korea. Look at the places where it's illegal to be a Christian. The church is growing. Why? Because you persecute it, it grows. You make peace with it. Get it to compromise. What's it do? Get stagnant. Starts to smell bad. It's not growing. It's not vibrant. It's not alive. The seven letters to the seven churches of the book of Revelation bear that out for us. If we look at those things, we might see it. So we see this guy. Now I want you to recognize something's different though. When Jesus is in the church, what happens? That dude cannot be quiet. Right? All the demon possessed guys got to do is be quiet in the back of the church. Shh, don't say nothing. Jesus is here. Just, just put, your, put your head into this guy. He could have just sailed through service and been fine the next day. But he couldn't. Why? Because Jesus has authority. That's not just some guy standing in church. God's there. And God's not going to not notice you. As a demon kicking back in the back of church. And he knows it right out the gate, don't he? He don't, He's not waiting for a second. Jesus comes in and says, a man had a spirit of an unclean demon. Now I just want you to get the idea. This guy wasn't just hanging out in church, freaking out every day. And all the people were going, oh, the demon possessed guy is at church again. Yeah, I wish he'd be quiet. No, he's always pestering us. I wonder what we would do about it. No, they wouldn't have done that. The demon-possessed guy was quiet. He just blended in. We spend too much time watching The Exorcist. Head spinning around, green vomit coming out, crazy things floating across the room, and we, and we get enamored by the power and the concept of it, and then we totally fall out of the reality that, uh, yeah, you know, the supernatural works in the natural really naturally. And, and you don't, it just passes as normal. It just passes as another day. But when Jesus was there, it wouldn't pass. When Jesus was there, man, this guy just, he can't, it's like he can't help himself. He cries out with a loud voice. Ah! Just comes out. What have you to do with us? Jesus of Nazareth. It's interesting. Now, this guy, this particular demon is singular. It's just one of them in this guy. We're going to meet other demon-possessed guys where there's more than one demon in a guy. This is just one demon. But when he speaks to Jesus, he says, What do you have to do with us? Why are you, why are you messing with our gig? This is our place. If you remember, I don't remember if it was a week or two weeks ago, I talked to you about... God disinheriting the nations, Deuteronomy 32.8. <laughs> and turning over, at least geographically, control to some of the angels. Angels which would be fallen angels or demons today. Which would account for the false gods of many nations that they worship. Deuteronomy 32.8. You guys can, can check it out. Take a look at it. <clears throat> so demons have kind of had held sway 
on the earth until God went to a man named Abraham and pulled him out of the nations and said, Abraham, come, I'm going to make something great out of you. I'm going to build a nation for my own name. I'm going to give a light to the Gentiles. Everybody tracking with me? I'm going to give a light to the Gentiles. I want them to be able to see. I want you to follow me. I don't want you to follow them. I want you to stay focused on me. So this demon is saying, what are you doing here? Now, I want you, there's a lot of things we can learn about demons from this. One thing we can learn is they're real. Okay? A spiritual being is not less real because you can't see it. Spiritual being is not less real. Spiritual does not mean less real. This is a real heavenly being. A being that was created for the heavens. You and I, we are earthly beings. We were created for what? The earth. I've talked about this a few times. I know we all are longing for heaven, but the glory of heaven is to be with Christ. When we think about heaven in our minds, what's it look like? I bet. If we're honest, it looks like the earth somewhere. Some mountaintop we've been, some cool beach we went to, some tranquil forest scene, some something we experience in the physical world is becomes our picture of heaven. Because we're physical beings. Right? Why is it that Jesus is going to make a new heaven and a new earth? Why not just make a new heaven? What's he need the earth for? We want the earth for the earthly beings. Who are the earthly beings? We are. He made a new heaven for the heavenly beings. Who's the heavenly beings? Angels are. Angels in heaven, human beings on earth, and in Revelation, you have something in between where the bride of Christ dwells. What's in between? Floating in between, not touching the earth, not touching the heavens, the new Jerusalem, right? The new Jerusalem prepared for the bride of Christ where heaven is. And earth do what? Meet. Where there can be union between the heavenly and the earthly. All of these things play together in this picture as we look at what's going on with Jesus and this demon who's a heavenly being who shouldn't be where? On earth. Where does he belong? He belongs in heaven, right? But he knows he's only got so much time. What's he say? He says, what have you to do with us, Jesus? Have you come to destroy us? Does he know what's going to happen? Yeah, he's like, uh, whoa, 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 is it judgment day? Is it judgment day? Is this the day? Because Jesus has what? Authority. And if he says the word, what happens? It happens. There's no, I, I love in the movies, you know, when you watch the, the, the lame movies about demons, and somebody's quoting the name of Jesus, and they have to say it 472 times. And at 473 times, the demon starts to slow down a little bit. Well, that's not how it was with Jesus. When, when Jesus said, go, they did what? Gone. When God said, let there be light, what happened? Light. If, God, if judgment day comes, if God says it's time to be judged, it just takes a word. All he has to do is say the word. So you have this demon-possessed guy. He's real. (laughs) We see that they can inhabit a body. It doesn't demand that they inhabit a body. Nowhere does the Bible say they can't function without inhabiting a body. That's all our crazy little brains doing the things that crazy brains do. 
It just says here that they can. They can't inhabit a body. That they're unclean. Everywhere the Bible talks about uncleanness, it's talking about moral impurity. Morally impure. They are in rebellion, outright rebellion, against God. And they know who Jesus is. Did he, did he know who Jesus was? Yeah. Oh, 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 Jesus of Nazareth. Have you come to destroy us? Doesn't that speak of power to you? <clears throat> Unimaginable power? James 2.19 says that you believe that God is one, you do well. The demons believe and tremble. The demons have good theology? Yeah, what, they, what don't they have? They don't have good obedience. Yeah, nowhere does the Bible say you're saved by your theology. Oh, I had, the, I had it all perfectly figured out. We are saved when we hear the voice of Jesus say, come and follow me. And we do what? Come and follow him. Well, let's not make it complicated. Come and follow me. So he says, man, you are the Holy One of God. They know their final destiny. Are you going to destroy us? In 1 John 3, 8, it says, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. He's going to destroy him. That's why the demon's like, Did you, have you come to destroy us? Is this, it? Is, this the, is this the day? Is this the last moment? But look at verse 35. But Jesus did what? Rebuked him. He said, be silent and come out of him. And what happened? He was silent and he came out of him. It says right here, when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. Why? Because he can only do what God lets him do. Get out of him. And what's, what's the next phrase, verse 36? And they were what? All amazed. They were all amazed and said to one another, what is this word? How's he do this? He just says, get out! And they get out! Man, I didn't even know that, 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 that Bob had a demon. Did you? No, I didn't know Bob had a demon. Jesus come in and Bob jumps up and starts saying what... And then Jesus says, get out! And the demon goes out and now, now Bob's good. Yeah, that's the reality of what's going on. Everywhere that Jesus goes. So I just want you guys to kind of start to get the picture that Jesus was not just like you and me walking into a new town, <clears throat> trying to make friends or whatever. There was something unearthly about him. In fact, multiple writers talk about it. There are multiple historical accounts that look at Jesus and all say the same thing. He did amazing things. He did amazing things. There's nothing like him. He has this stamp of the Father's approval upon him. They were all amazed. And they said, what is this word for with authority and power? He commands the unclean spirits and they come out. And reports about him went into every place in the surrounding region. <clears throat> so everybody starts talking about him. Now the scriptures tell us that we also have authority Jesus said, I give you authority. I give it to you. 
I give it to you to do these things that He has called us to. And primarily, well not primarily, but one of the things He gives us authority to, is He gives us authority to overcome the enemy. To overcome. We don't have to be at the great disadvantage that you would be as a human against a humanly being against a heavenly being. Right? They're different. Cap- different capabilities. Different things that can occur. <clears throat> In Ephesians 6.10 it says, Finally, be strong. How? In the Lord, in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, the evil one. For we do not wrestle how? <clears throat> against flesh and blood. We wrestle against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the what? Heavenly places, heavenly realms. We don't wrestle with fleshly beings, we wrestle with heavenly beings in the heavenly realms. So he says, man, you need to put on armor of God. You need to stand in the power and the strength of the Lord God Almighty. Not in your own strength. You need to recognize it's real. They're real. There is something we can't define in our world called evil. Yeah? We struggle with the existence of and the comprehension of and where. how does this get into somebody's mind or somebody else's mind or this or that. And the Bible says... Your enemy is not flesh and blood. Your enemy, your enemy are heavenly beings, fallen angels, demons of which Jesus Christ has authority over. And he has granted that authority. Look at James chapter 4. James chapter 4 verse 1 <coughs> says, What causes quarrels <coughs> and fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are, are at war within you? You desire... And do not have, so you murder. You covet, cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passion. You adulterous people or, or unfaithful people is a great way to look at that. So, <clears throat> you do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself what? An enemy of God. Do you suppose it is of no purpose that the scripture says? He yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. But he gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So submit yourself to God. What's next? Resist the devil and he will flee. That whole section, James 4, 1 through 7, is dealing with the, the passions, our unearthly <clears throat> desires, these sinful desires that we have. And then as he, he's, he's winding through the concept, and he's saying these are passions that we don't control, and that we don't deal with properly. And then when he gets to the end, he tells us to do this. Submit to God, and what? Resist the devil, and he'll flee. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Heavenly beings in heavenly places. They're real. They're real. And so now, not that I want to run around and say, I'm not responsible. I get to choose, right? I'm still making my, the whole word responsible means able to respond. I'm able to respond to sinful desires and I'm able to respond to, to uh, uh, heavenly desires, right? To godly desires. 
I'm responsible. I'm the one who is, who is able to <clears throat> make that response. I want to respond to the heavenly desires. I want to recognize that we have a real enemy. First Peter 5.8 says, Be sober-minded. <clears throat> Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So he's looking for a meal, somebody to eat. So what does he say? Resist him. How? Firm in your faith. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. That it's in Him that we do battle, not in ourselves. It's our position in Him. Now, Jesus spoke with authority. Jesus had authority. Jesus would heal. Jesus would cast out demons. When we come to this reality, Jesus, we need to also recognize that as a believer, your position is where? In Christ. You're in Him, the one who has all authority. You're in Him, the one who has all power. So when the Bible says, stand in the faith, resist Him, it means I want to stand in Christ, clothed in Christ. Standing in Him, empowered by Him to overcome. Because 1 John 4, 4 says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For He who is in you is what? Greater than He who is in the world. Isn't that what the Bible's telling us? Yeah, there's a real enemy. There's a real battle in the spiritual realm. It really takes place and we fight that battle by being in Christ. Jesus. Because everything we need is found in Christ Jesus. Being in Him, found in Him, a part of Him. So as we look at this and we see this power, we see the power over the demons, we see the power in the spoken word, the authority that Jesus had, and then immediately the story moves in verse 38 of, of Luke 4. It says, He arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house, Peter's house. <clears throat> now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever. And they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever and it left. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. So we see all this authority and all this power. And then they tell us a story about how Jesus still cares about the individual. Just one in, they go into Simon Peter's house. His mother-in-law is sick. She's got a high fever. So they ask Jesus, can you heal her? And he walks over and he does the same thing he did the other two places. He says the word and she's good. He speaks the word and she is good. They have faith in his power by coming to him and asking him. And he demonstrates that by rebuking the fever. He says the word. She's got a fever, so he rebukes it. No fever. Then what does she have? No fever. Why? Because Jesus is different than everybody else. He's not you and I. You and I are going to be some, some, other, some other part. You know, standing in the authority and power of Christ. And we may get to experience some of that authority and power when we, by faith, do the things that He's calling us to do. But we're still never going to be Him. When Jesus said it, man, it just was. Because that's how God works. And when God is in us, yeah, we want to have the evidence of, 
of that faith moving and working in us. Recognizing that God is able. Is God able? The Bible says God is able to do abundantly above all we can ask or imagine according to the power that works in us. So God is able. God is able to do anything and everything. But listen, I just want you to understand. Jesus healed everyone who came to him, but he didn't heal everyone. There's this place called the Gate Beautiful. You guys heard about that? There was a man there who was lame his whole life. Every day they would carry him to the Gate Beautiful. Jesus walked into the Gate Beautiful every time he came to the temple. Every time you read about Jesus going to the temple, he would have passed the man who was lame from his birth. And not one time did Jesus reach out and heal him. Because God's got His time, and it's not always the same as our time. Do you know that? After Jesus died, rose again, went to the Father, the Bible says that the disciples were walking in the gate beautiful one day. And that guy who was born lame, he reached out his hands to Peter and John. And they looked at him and said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I will give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That was God's timing. Are you guys with me? Sometimes on this end of reality, going through life on earth, it's hard for us to see God's timing, God's place. Did people die in the presence of Jesus? Lazarus did. Right? That was God had a purpose in the death of Lazarus. In the death of Lazarus. And then the rest of Lazarus' life, after Jesus rose from the dead, everybody wanted to kill him again. I just don't understand that. You know, most people say, if I could see a miracle, then I would believe. But the reality is, when they saw a miracle, all they wanted to do was kill him again, so they didn't have to look at the miracle anymore. That's the reality. Here's what the Bible says. If you don't believe the word that God's given us, you won't believe even if one rises from the dead. It's not the miracle that gives faith. It's the Word of God that gives faith. Faith comes by the Word, hearing the Word of God, right? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing the Word of God. So we see Jesus care for this woman. He reaches out and He touches her. <clears throat> and then look at, uh, look at verse 40. It says, Now when the sun was setting, all those who were sick with various diseases brought them to Him. And He laid His hands on, what's the word? Every one of them and healed them. Demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they all knew he was the Christ, the anointed one, the Mashiach Nagid, Messiah, the King. <laughs> so the day is over, and now the people start bringing the sick and the outcast. And not one time in the pages of Scripture will you see Jesus say, Stop bringing these people to me. They bring them to him, and he touches them. And I think the point of that story is the reality that that is where we find ourselves in the call of God today. In the call of God today, he says, all day long I have reached out my arms to a disobedient and contrary people. The beauty of that verse is, all day long, I lift out my arms. It's not like he crossed them and said, I'm done. So that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord, what's Scripture say? 
shall be saved. Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord. We see them bringing the sick and the broken. All of these coming to Him. And what happens? He laid His hands on every one of them. And He healed them. He touched them. This is what Matthew has to say about this. Matthew 8, verse 16 and 17 said, That evening they brought to Him many who were oppressed by demons, and He cast out the spirits with a word. There's the authority. And healed all. All who were sick. How many? All who were sick. This was to fulfill that which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illness. He bore our disease. He's quoting Isaiah 53.4. In Isaiah 53.4 it says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He come to take all that stuff. Metaphorically, what we see is that in Christ, there is no sickness or death. There is only healing. Because if you are in Christ, you are His for how long? Forever, eternally. Should God call me from this world and I stand before Him, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, I will look in His eyes. That moment, that second, I'm His. If I'm in Christ, I'm not. there's no sickness, death. Nothing separates us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord, is there? Nothing. Zero. Zip. Zilch. He's come to provide that opportunity for us so that we can know it, so that we can understand it. So this day, just getting a, a glimpse of the day of Christ, the, the, the <coughs> authority with which He spoke the Word, the authority with which He healed and did miracles, the compassion that he had, even on an individual, just one person who's sick, the compassion that he had on the crowd that was sick. All that flowing through Jesus' life in this one day results in this. Verse 36, again, it says, And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the reports went out every, to every place in the surrounding realm. Everywhere he went, everything he did, he carried with him this sign of the Father saying over the Son, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Well, how do I know I should listen to him? Look at what he does. Nobody else can do it. This is not lying signs and wonders there's no explanation for the things that jesus christ did because he has authority because he comes from the father and it says when it was day the next day he departed and went into a desolate place and the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them we want him they all wanted him jesus didn't come to set up the kingdom what did he come to set up cross he's not come to sit on a throne he's come to hang on a cross the people come to him and hey lord we we want you to stay with us don't leave us but he said to them i must continue to preach the good news of the kingdom of god to other towns as well he's going to show that same light everywhere he goes for i was sent for this purpose to what to announce the kingdom of god is at hand kingdom of God is at hand. Meaning, it's right here. It's right here. I am the kingdom of God. 
How do I enter into the kingdom of God? I enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. If I am in Christ, I am where? In His kingdom. He is my king. I am His humble servant. And so He went preaching in the synagogues of Judea. I hope we can just peel back some of the religiosity with which we look at the Word and just see the reality of the story. Jesus was really there. He was really moving in power and authority. And there's no one else like Him. Amen? Why don't you stand with me let's pray. Father God, we just lift this time to You, Lord, and we pray that You would continue... God, to work in our lives and in our hearts, Lord, that we might make a decision, Lord God, that says, I want to bow the knee to you. Your word says that there really are heavenly beings in opposition, in in a rebellion against God, seeking the destruction of man on earth, awaiting their own judgment. And yet Jesus comes and he casts them aside and he heals the sick and he speaks the word with authority, and all of this he does to make an announcement. It's time. The gates are open. You can see that narrow way now. For broad is the path, and many find that one. Because there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end is a way of death. But Jesus came to say, no, the kingdom of God is now. It's here. The way has been opened. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except he comes through me. He called us to a relationship. But prior to him, there was, there was no way to have that relationship With Christ, we're separated by our sin. But Jesus Christ, He came and became broken so that I could be whole. He shed His blood so that I could be made whiter than snow. He opened the door. He made the way so that we could enter into a relationship with God. Experiencing victory in our life by the power of God. For all authority has been given to Him. And if He is in me, then I have the authority to overcome. I have the exousia, the power, the power gifted to us by God to be a man who struggles with sin but is no longer enslaved by it. To be a man who struggles in a variety of areas in our life but I'm not a slave. I have left that life of slavery and declared myself a slave to God. That I might be doulos, a slave to God by choice. As he said, you're going to be a slave to somebody. I want to be a slave to you, Lord. I want to declare my allegiance to you, God. I want to bow my knee to my king. For it's your kingdom that I live for, not this one. It's your kingdom I want to die for, not this one. 
It's your kingdom I want to I want to see on the horizon as I go through life and make the choices that I make. It's your kingdom and that can only be wrought when men and women make the choice that says, Jesus is calling me. I must follow him. The world's going to call at the same time. It's going to say, no, go this, do this way, do, go that way. <clears throat> but Jesus, he says, no, there's only one way. There's only one truth. There's only one life. God, I pray by the power of your spirit that we would stand in the valley of decision today caught between two opinions. We would hear the voice of God even as He declared it to the children of Israel. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose. Choose life. God, I pray that we would follow you with all that is within us and give you the praise and the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen.